Welcome to the Platform Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Kundi wright founder and head coach of the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club, and I'm on a mission to help others build sustainable, healthy habits. I know how hard that can be because I've struggled and succeeded to varying degrees throughout my life, but I've lost over 100 pounds and kept it off for over a decade now. The key for me was discovering my passion for lifting weights and kettlebell sport. On this podcast, we'll talk to athletes, coaches, experts, and everyday people about kettlebells, fitness programming, nutrition, mindset, making an impact, and generally striving to grow and leave a legacy of positive change. Please join me. Welcome to the Platform Podcast, episode number three. I am very excited to welcome my friend Doug Siemens. He is the owner and coach at Pride Conditioning in Charlotte, North Carolina, as well as a Team USA kettlebell athlete. He is the author of multiple books, including Kettlebell Long Cycle Training, a 12-week progressive training program for long cycle competition, and Kettlebell Long Cycle and Powerlifting, a two-a-day long cycle and powerlifting training program for intermediate lifters. And I know he's also working on a couple other books. He owns multiple businesses, including Rebel Screen Printing, BFR Apparel, and he is also the uh, former president of the American Kettlebell Lifters Union, the AKLU. So, Doug, thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. My pleasure, brother. So, just a few things going on there in North Carolina, huh? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Any, uh, any other businesses that you're starting up while, while we're, uh, while we're in quarantine since you have so much free time on your hand? Oh my God. So, uh, because of the whole like shortage of, uh, equipment available, like I, I have money. Like I would like to buy some plates, some more plates and some more bars and some more kettlebells and can't buy anything because everything's out of stock. Vulcan so, pre-order is going on right now. Just so you know, from Vulcan strength. Uh, I literally was just on Instagram right before we got on here and uh, Garage Gym Reviews said that Vulcan was doing a pre-order and it literally crashed the website. <laughs> I think the same thing happened to Kettlebell Kings on their first, uh, their first re-up. I, I, had yeah, a, a couple of, I had a couple of people that were trying to buy kettlebells uh, and were like had them in their cart and couldn't, couldn't complete the order because yeah, the demand yeah, is so high right now. So I'm like, uh, well why don't I just uh, get me and like three other people together and uh, I'll just order a whole container of stuff from China. Uh, It's going to take six weeks, which is the same amount of time as restocking all these websites. And then I just start my own website and I'll just take what I need and then sell the rest of it. So I don't know. It's, it's a, thought but it definitely like uh it's a long shot on that one i don't know about that so you heard it here first on the platform podcast uh doug's sixth (laughs) sixth business is going to be an import export of fitness equipment (laughs) from china i I, I highly doubt highly doubtful i have like uh i have like four books that i'm like in various stages of finishing so it's like and it, it you know one of those things where it's like oh i gotta paint the house next weekend and then you're like oh i gotta paint the house next weekend (laughs) i'm like 
I'm like, all right, when are these books going to be done? I'm like, uh, they don't write themselves, bro. Like you gotta, you gotta get to work. Yeah. So tell, so tell me about it. You've, you've written a couple of books already. I got them, got them up on Amazon. Uh, mo- mostly good reviews. You got the, you know, of course you've got the one troll out there who's, who's going to give everything a two star review, but you know, <laughs> guy, so. uh, <laughs> but uh, I've, I've seen your, I've seen your programs and uh, you're all about conjugate uh, programming. I mean, in the world of kettlebell sport, uh, a lot of people don't really touch conjugate programming, but in the world of powerlifting, it's well established as a, as a primary form of, of training. So, you know, the West side barbell uh, guys really made it really made it famous as far as a term but talk to me a little bit about conjugate training i know that's a big part of of what you believe in and what and what you do so it's so tell the people what conjugate training is and kind of what your approach is to it for uh for kettlebell sport as well as powerlifting and how those two can complement one another yeah yeah for sure so uh so to get into it the backstory um my wife Lindsay obviously used to be a kettlebell lifter uh, and she has like a degenerative, um, like a genetic problem. Uh, her shoulder is like deformed. Um, she will probably within the next 10 years have to have part of her shoulder like cut off and replaced with like a stainless steel implant thing. Um, so she cannot, uh, straighten her left arm overhead, like at all. Uh, so she left the kettlebell sport world and got into powerlifting. Now she had surgery on her shoulder. And of course the doctors told her, uh, you'll never put weight overhead ever again. Uh, we were also Muay Thai fighters and they were like, yeah, you'll never like, you're never going to fight. You're never going to put weight overhead. Uh, you can't do push ups and you can't bench press. So, um, and how long did she, that last? <laughs> Yeah, that literally, I mean, like 90 days, like she was doing push-ups like 90 days later. Um, So she really legit cannot straighten her left arm up overhead. So she can't go overhead. So no lifting, no kettlebell. Um, But she can, she can bench. Um, It's one of those things where like, she can do it. And we know that it's not really good for her. But um, it's like when the tires are bald on your Mustang and you go, well, let's just burn them off one more time before we put new ones on. Um, it's basically that kind of somebody. Uh, yeah. So uh, it's basically that situation. Um, instead of getting her shoulder replaced in 15 years, like a smart person, it'll probably have to be like nine or 10 years because um, she's just going to destroy it. And uh, I know that sounds like, really really stupid to like a normal person but uh to us like i don't know this is our life it's what we do um so anyways so she is she's the power lifter uh like the legit power lifter um she's uh her back squat is uh triple body weight um yeah uh i can't i cannot touch her her percentages and her numbers like i can't I can't even come close. Um, she's almost triple body weight on deadlift. Um, she has triple body weight on back squat. Um, her bench is like one and a half times body weight. So like, I, yeah, like I can't, I can't touch any of her numbers, but her, uh, 
her original powerlifting coach is Scott Shetler. And if you know any of the history of kettlebell sport in the United States, um, Scott was very close with uh, Chris Duffy. And Chris Duffy was uh, my second coach. Scott was really my first. Scott was the first person that I learned uh, kettlebell sport from. Um, and we just kept – he's down in Atlanta. We just kept in contact with him. And he basically transitioned from kettlebell into powerlifting. And uh, we learned from him. And he is uh, – he's certified uh, Westside uh, barbell uh, strength coach. So he's done the coaching certification, which is a ridiculous certification. It's the craziest, longest, most in-depth certification I've ever seen in my life. Um, so all of our knowledge on conjugate, and you'll hear me talk about this in a lot of videos and a lot of what I write about, uh, we write about, um, in racing, it's called heritage in in lifting and martial arts, we call it lineage. So like when we were Muay Thai fighters, our lineage was like a direct line from uh, the person who brought Muay Thai to America. So in kettlebell sport, right, we talk about, you know, my coach was Scott or Chris Duffy and they were coached by Ivan and Ivan was coached by this person or when I was coached by uh, Gregor or uh, Igor, you know, we can trace that line of who their coach was and who their coach's coach was. So uh, the West Side line is like direct, like Louis Simmons, like direct to Scott and then direct to Lindsay. So there's your very lengthy backstory on our uh, history with uh, Westside and conjugate programming. Uh, so next part of the story is uh, obviously we were very into um, powerlifting and uh, conjugate programming from Westside. And I had been toying around with these ideas of how to adapt this, these theories and these methods to kettlebell sport. And then, of course, Gregor, Gregor Sobacon came out with uh, his programming. And, uh, you know, he, he's called it conjugate. And, of course, you know, I was interested in it, but I was still training under Igor. Um, I basically got injured. Um, and once that happened, I had to take some time off. And to rebuild myself which I'm still not like 100%, but to rebuild myself, I went to Gregor and I said, you know, I wanna, it's not just that I just wanna lift, you know, I, I'm a coach, so I wanna learn. And that's, I wanna become a better coach and I want more knowledge. So I went to Gregor and Gregor explained a lot of the program to me. Uh, and that's when I started the whole conjugate programming journey for kettlebell sport yeah and for for people that are uninitiated you know conjugate training in uh powerlifting typically consists of, of five components right you have a max a maximum effort upper body day a maximum effort lower body day and then a dynamic uh a dynamic upper a dynamic lower and then a, and then a fifth day for uh for accessories right am i am i getting yeah you're folks, right I, yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in a huge, broad sense, you're uh, you're pretty much there. Um, 
we do accessory work for powerlifting is like a daily it's a daily thing. Yeah, that's like seventy percent um, of your volume, actually, right? Is, yeah, is accessory yeah, training. I, so they Westside says eighty percent. It's um, it's crazy. You only spend twenty percent on your main lift, and eighty percent on all your accessory work. So, it's a little bit different with kettlebell sport for sure. Um, but how how I can break this down, um, the easiest way, and I started writing about. So one of the next books that I have coming is um, Give me basically, all the <laughs> yeah, basically I I asked Gregor if I could use the program to write like version two of the of his program, and he gave me permission, and he will be kind of a co-author to the book. Basically, he just oversaw the program that I wrote and I ran a lot of it by him and he liked it. Um, so that's how that's gonna go. The program is already done. I've done it, I've done it three times and I've had three other people go through it too. Um, it definitely works. Uh, so on the conjugate program for kettlebell sport, uh, you're going to do all three lifts. You're going to do jerk, snatch, and long cycle. So jumping back over to powerlifting and how this like bridges over. So on the conjugate program for uh, powerlifting, basically you want to look at it like this. Um, if you're looking at back squat, you have a one rep max back squat. So there's one item then you have a three rep max and a five rep max back squat so now you have three items from there now if i put chains on the bar now you have six items because now you have a one rep max with chains a three rep max with chains and a five rep max with chains then i can add the box so now you can have the box with no chains and there's three more variations for maxes then you can have the box and chains put the two of them together you have three more variations i could take the chains off and i could put bands on it now you have three more variations for your free squat without the box and your squat with the box with bands so there's six more variations so you see where this goes, it compounds itself. And basically the theory behind this is you can hit a PR on one of those variations almost every week. And that's part of how the Westside Conjugate Program works. You have all of those variations and you can max out on those variations just week after week after week. Um, I, I can't even remember. Scott told me like the number on back squat. It, it's, it's an insane number. It's, it's you can PR on a different back squat variation every single week for like a year and a half or something like that. It's like a, wow. a, a ridiculous number, which like, you can't really do because if you're training to compete, you're going to have, you know, like a 12 week cycle to competition. 
and within that 12 week cycle you're like you can't hit all of those different squat variations it's just it's just not possible so yeah um but over the course of training over a whole year you know you could hit all of those different squat variations so now bridge that back over to kettlebell so let's take let's take just jerks well actually the better option is to take long cycle so and I, and i'm going to tell you that jokingly and not jokingly the better option is always long cycle spoken like a long cycle specialist <laughs> exactly so <laughs> uh so if you take long cycle right uh so basically it, you could do like a one minute max a two minute max a three minute max a four minute max a five minute max basically when i trained under igor we never i never had a max effort I mean, we did have like a six minute and like an eight minute, but it was very, uh, it was very controlled. It wasn't, um, you know, it, it was max effort, but it was, it was by an RPM, you know? Um, so really between five minutes and 10 minutes is going to be a controlled, a very controlled set. Um, five minutes and under you, you're still going to have an RPM goal and sort of a controlled set, but you can obviously go faster than you normally would for a 10 minute set. So if we think of it, like if uh, we go back to the back squat, right? You got a one rep, a three rep and a five rep max. So switch that over to minutes with long cycle. So you have a one minute max, a three minute max and a five minute max is literally that simple. But now yeah, and I can, I can speak to my, I can speak to my own capability, right? Like a, a one minute, a one minute max pace for me on long cycle is probably, you know, between 14 and 16 RPMs, depending on the, on the weight of the bells and you right. start going two minutes, two minutes, then it goes down to 12 and then right. you go, then you go three minutes. Well, then we're talking, then we're talking eight to 10, you know, you're talking, right. you're talking five minutes, you know, six to 10, depending on the weights of the bells, right? Hey, you know, ex that's ex the same exactly, exactly. Now the key is, one of the other keys to conjugate training is to track all of those items. You can't just do it and then have this number floating around and go, oh yeah, I'm 20 kilo. Like I think I can hit 36 reps in three minutes. Like you have to know. So I literally, I have a spreadsheet with like, <laughs> like hundreds of variations on all of the kettlebell lifts. Oh, and man, it's, you're, you're talking my language now. We're going to have to share spreadsheets because I've got my spreadsheet for tracking volume that I use with all of my athletes. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's, that's one of the keys. You have to be able to track this shit because if, if you don't have the numbers to back up, if you are writing programs, it's one thing if you're just an athlete, right? If you're just an athlete, your coach should be tracking all of this shit for you. So uh, I have sheets for all of my people. Lindsay has sheets for all of her people. We know all of our people's maxes on their different lifts on, on kettlebell and powerlifting and Olympic lifting. So anyways, go back to long cycle. So let's go, you know, if you're, let's just talk like 24 kilo long cycle doubles you got a one minute, a three minute, and a five minute max. And then of course we, kettlebell, we have a 10 minute max, which that would be like, um, 
uh, 10 rep max effort back squat, which I do have. A lot of power lifters do not. Most O lifters uh, will have a 10 rep max uh, for back squat and or front squat. Uh, most power, a lot of power lifters won't. Uh, I do uh, because you know, I, I span kind of both worlds. So now we get into the variations. So now long cycle, now add in one swing. Now you have max effort, 24 kilo, long cycle plus one swing. One minute, three minute, five minute, 10 minute. Now make it two swings. Again, you have all those variations for those time limits. Now go, this is one of my favorite things for conjugate. You're gonna go one swing, two claims, three jerks. So this is a very, um, this is a very typical thing for like myself and Gregor and our program. So now one swing, two claims, three jerks. That you're not gonna have a one minute like max on that because like you can barely, you only get in like two cycles of that in like one minute. Um, so for that, we're gonna go like five minutes to 10 minutes to 15 to 12, 15 minutes. So now you have a max for all of those items. Now, your next variation will be like uh, slow long cycle. So, right, you can go slow long cycle uh, with just the holds. So four yeah, count let's, hold. let's let's articulate what that is real quick for, for people yeah. that don't know. Slow long cycle, you've got you've got how many positions and how long are you having people hold them for? Right. So uh, you're gonna have four positions. So you've got uh, rack, first dip, second dip, and then uh, overhead hold. So you have four positions, and then then you and do you can do get three into, swing. Do you do three swings or a specific number of swings before you get clean to the rack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now you've got. So now even within now even within uh, slow long cycle, you have multiple variations there. One swing, two swing, three swing. Right yeah. now. Now you have multiple variations on how many breaths you hold for each position. So whether it's two breaths, three breaths, or four breaths. Or you can do that under tension too. You can also do it where it's three seconds per position, six seconds per position if you, if you want to focus on time as well, right? Yeah, I've never, um, I've never done, I've heard of people doing that. Uh, I've never done slow long cycle on a timer. Um, basically i mean you know how it is like most of our most of our rpm is based on your your breathing so it's like you know See, I, uh, I think i think i think that's where i think that's one place where we differ uh, as coaches i actually i actually have people watching the clock a lot more i i obviously i want people focusing on their breath but i i like to i like to get people used to uh working off of working off of the clock as well so that they're uh, you know they, i can remember I can remember going to, fuck, it was either the Arnold in like 2016 or so, maybe. Maybe I've been to the Arnold four times or five times. It was either the Arnold or else it was uh, Ice Chamber. And somebody walked in with their own clock and 
you know when you get like a jacked up rpm if it's like uh like seven rpm on long cycle or like 11 yeah, rpm yeah. on jerks it's like it's like this they fucked can't up. do the math it's yeah 3. There, there's no way <laughs> and they literally had a clock and then they had markered on the glass of the clock like where <laughs> like where their lifts were supposed to be and i i you know and it was it was a female lifter but the hell if i can remember who it was um but i remember like looking at it and i laughed and i was like I, I mean, like, I can't say that it's, like, not smart. I mean, like, there's your clock and there's your pace. You know, for me, it was always about, you know, how many breaths. Um, I think there's validity to both methods, and I actually, yeah, try, I actually try and get my athletes to, to work with both methods because the clock, the clock is important, especially for new people, in my opinion, because it gives them something outside of themselves to, to right. look at so that they can, they can just go, okay, you know, I tell them, hey, you've, this is a 10, 10 RPMs. Every six seconds, you need to be locking a rep out, and you just focus on every rep, right? At six, right. one goes up. At 12, one goes up, right? right. That, that works really well usually with beginning athletes, but then I also like to at some point i'm an asshole right and i take the clock away because i'm like well what do you right. do if you're in, what if you do when you're in competition and the clock goes out because that happens in competition uh, yeah. sometimes yep. right so seen it's like it, seen you, it happen had it happen be, yep. you can't be freaking the fuck out just because your clock turned off right because it, right, it, it, right. and and the first time it happens it does freak you out because oh you, my, if you've never yeah. experienced oh, yeah. it before you're not prepared yep. for it but if you've experienced yeah. it in practice then you are prepared for it. So there, I, yeah. I very much believe in, in having both tools in your tool belt, but I always start athletes on the clock. And personally, I like focusing on the clock more because it just, it, for me, it's uh, simpler. <laughs> I can just focus so on one, I, one I rep remember, at a time. I can remember when I first started and uh, I think it was at my first, so I had met Mike Sherman at my at my first competition here in Charlotte, he came to Cyrus's and speaking of Vulcan and uh, downed websites. Uh, so. <laughs> Putting uh, Cyrus on blast. Sorry, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Cyrus and I like, we'll get along in person, but like, I, I mean, neither, neither of us will really mix words about each other. And we both know <laughs> it. So like, it's perfectly okay. Um, and the crazy part is he's literally like five miles from me. That's, that's like the crazy part. Um, but, uh, I'd met Mike Sherman at Cyrus's. It was my first competition. And then I met, I met Sherman again down in Atlanta at Scott Shetler's and remember talking to Sherman about, about the clock and about training on a one minute timer. And he said that I think, I think it was Fedorenko that he said got him off of that because um, he said that it made you uh, it it, get, it made you anxious and uh, it would increase your heart rate and I was <laughs> I was like wow I'm like because like you're Valeri Valeri is very opinionated oh, at my, oh you don't say right. Um, <laughs> So, like, I mean, listen, if you're doing, like, minute on, minute off sets, like, I'm like, why would you not have a clock? Like, I, I don't understand, Mike. And uh, he had some other, like, crazy explanation behind it. And I was like, all right, dude, whatever. But, like, he literally stopped using, like, a timer that, like, beeped. So 
he literally put a timer on like one hour, which is in general what I do now. I put a timer on for one hour and like I just make sure that like I'm on time. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> I, I start an egg. I start like an egg timer or a, a kitchen timer uh, next to my next to my clock, and much to my athlete's chagrin, sometimes when I'm when I'm short on oxygen, I don't do the math right, and I'm like, yeah, we've got a five minute rest, and then oh. we, get, we get four minutes in, and I'm like, all right, here we go, all next right, set. Yeah. and they're like, they're like, wait, what? You screwed us on a minute, that's, but they but they do it, and then everybody performs, and I'm like, yeah, now you done fucked up because now I know right. you can do it on four minutes rest. I, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You, like, it's are funny. you doing this on purpose? I'm like, maybe. It's funny you talk about rest, too. I can remember um, – we're getting way off topic. But <laughs> I can remember uh, I I posted a video, uh, but I think it was a – I think I've got, like, 600 videos that are, like, private locked on YouTube uh, of my training. And I sent a video to BJ, and I was doing intervals, and I was sitting down on my rest time. And literally the first thing he writes back to me is why the fuck are you sitting down on your rest? And I'm like, <laughs> it's 96 degrees, 90% humidity. And I'm fucking dying on like 28 kilo. And he was like, you're not allowed to sit down on your rest anymore. He's like, you can pace back and forth because you can take a knee, but you cannot sit down. And I'm like, come on, bro, get the fuck out of here. And he's like, <laughs> it's a mental thing where like uh, subconsciously, this is what BJ told me, that subconsciously your brain tells your body that the workout is over with. And every time you sit down, it gets harder and harder to convince yourself to get back up. He was like, if you're already you're, standing, you come from a fighting background, right? So you're used to taking the stool between, between rounds, right? That's not. Yeah. Now listen, now if you watch, you'll get like once in a great while, you'll watch like a really, really crazy Muay Thai fight and they won't sit down. So it's like a, um, it's a mental mind fuck for your opponent because it's like, I don't need to sit down. I don't need the uh, stool. Like, yeah. Right. I don't need the stool. Right. So I'm like, and that's, and you are correct. That's exactly where I came from was the boxing Muay Thai background. We're like, yeah, you sat down on your one minute rest and like nobody asked any questions. So like, yeah, BJ was like, every time you sit down, it gets harder to get back up again. And I was like, hey, you're actually kind of right on that one. So literally that was like at least four years ago. And I've never sat down for a rest time ever since then. Interesting. All right. Well, that, so that pivots. Let's let's talk about mindset a little bit because that's something that's. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to go out on a limb here, but I think you're a pretty intense dude. Um, I think I think most people know that about you that have uh, watched your videos or talked to you or. You know, yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Ever observed I've, you. I've I've definitely like toned down in like the past. I would say like. 18 to 24 months. Um, I mean, I just turned 40, but I still get yelled at by friends in private messages. Like, Hey, like you should probably take a rest day or like, um, you know, I'll, I'll basically tell people like, you know, harden the fuck up. Like you're, you're complaining about, you know, like you're complaining about heat and it's like 90, 
And I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> complain when it goes to like 103 and then we'll talk. Like, I All mean, right, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you up here for a Minnesota winter training session. We'll see. We'll see how you, we'll see how you Southern boys I like, mean, like the I cold. mean, I've done, I mean, you got to understand I grew up in Syracuse. So, uh, I mean, I, I spent my winters snowboarding in Vermont and New Hampshire. Um, and I still, uh, mind you, I have to buy a new freezer this year. I, uh, I toasted my, uh, I toasted my, uh, ice bath freezer last winter, last summer. And I have to get a new one. And I just literally haven't gone to the store to get one. And people are like, I see people like taking ice baths and they're like, they're like struggling at like three minutes. And I'm like, okay add seven more minutes to that and then like come talk to me people yeah, are you like, just you just got to get past the inflection point right it's always the first couple of minutes and then once you're past like the, the whatever oh, the tipping point yeah. is for you oh, then you're fine oh yeah everything yeah, goes yeah, totally you're for like, sure yeah. yeah but i'm not i mean i'm not gonna lie like uh living down here in the south for 12 years now it was like uh when uh when i went to kazakhstan i had to lay over in moscow and uh I probably, I think that was the second time that I, second or third time I've been to Russia. And, uh, but it was the first time I'd been there during the winter. And uh, I got off the plane and like my eyeballs froze. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, holy fuck. Like, this is like the coldest. And I've seen like, I've Where seen like negative. So tough. <laughs> yeah. Like I've seen like negative 40, negative 60 wind chills, like the top of like, uh, you know, uh, mountains out in vermont new hampshire and it's like you know i grew up in the adirondacks and it's like dude once you're out of that element for like a very long number of years and then you go back you're like no this is terrible i don't want to do this anymore yeah that's why i couldn't i, I the heat and humidity gets to me you know uh a lot a lot faster than the than the cold you know but i think yeah. it's just because because of what i'm acclimated to but so yeah. when, when when you when you go into a competition um is your framework that you are competing against the other people on the, on, on the platform or the other lifters, or is it just you against yourself? So it, I, I would say this is a really, really great topic. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you an awesome story that you're going to love. Um, so it definitely depends on the competition and like basically where, I'm at with things. Um, when it's, when it's like world championships, it's definitely, it's, it's me. It's, it's just me versus me. And I know that that kind of sounds like ridiculous because the whole point of world championships is to like, go be a world championship and like, you have to beat the other person. But like, when Dude, I, I'm in Ivan Denisov's weight category. There's no way I'm ever taking him down. I've oh, already yeah, accepted right. that. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I've lifted next to Ivan like multiple times and you're just like, I mean, I lifted next to Ivan the last time I went to the Arnold, like uh, three years ago. And I was on, I was on 28 and Ivan was on 32s and he was double my pace. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? And like, it probably like the fourth or fifth time I'd lifted next to him. So like, I, I knew to expect it. What I realized though, after the first minute was that he was at 10 RPM and my goal was five RPM. So I just 
put up a lift every other one of his and I just kept the pace and it was actually perfect. It was like a perfect nice. set. Yeah. It was awesome. But like, yeah, world championships. So like, you know, uh, amateur level, I had been chasing 80 reps on 24s for a couple of years and I was in long fully, cycle, right? In long cycle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Long cycle. I was fully capable of doing it physically. It was just like a mental thing of like, you know, the, the stress and the anxiety and like the heart rate and like just staying focused. And when I went to Korea, I was like, if I don't hit 80 reps, like I might not go home. Like I might just like stay someplace on the other side of the world and hide like forever because I'm going to be so fucking mad. So I, I made that all about me. And I didn't give a fuck what anybody else lifted. I didn't care what anybody else's numbers were. I did not look at anyone's score while I was lifting, before I was lifting. I did not care. I didn't give a fuck about anyone except for me in Korea. And it was literally the best set that I've ever put up. So, And what was, was the result? Uh, yeah, I was 80 dead on. I missed. I was super pissed because I missed one minute. It was like a uh, minute four or minute five. And I got seven instead of eight. And I was like super mad. And, uh, but I knew I could make it up on minute 10. And I did, I just made an extra rep on minute 10. So, um, and I will say also, uh, I have to interject this because it's a massive point of contention with myself and the, the rest of the kettlebell world, three world championships, zero no counts zero zero no counts three world championships i was i, just, I was gonna i was gonna ask you how many no counts you had because i, 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 have I know inter- your i know your record i have to interject that we'll, we can talk about it later but i I, uh, I i don't blame you man i'd be hanging my i'd be hanging my hat on that too i've I, i've 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 never had a no count in competition i've certainly had them in 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 practice I, it's fuck that's that is spectacular i have had uh going back to cyrus's uh one of cyrus's lifters uh deb dozer deb is a a fucking awesome lady she's blast to hang out with she's the hardest fucking judge on the planet but by far um deb dozer has no counted me twice and i'm like oh god damn it deb but like (laughs) i can't like i can't like i will not if you no count me like it's it's warranted it's it's legit like you it it's definitely warranted uh and i got no counted on like one rep i think uh an ice chamber uh like the second time i went i think i was on 28 um i think i just i just had a really shitty rep where i like spaced out like mentally but anyways getting back to competition yeah I definitely like world championship level was all about me. Um, National level, completely different story. So I'm going to take you all the way back and we'll see if he, if, if this person ever hears this podcast, it'll be the first time he's ever heard this story. No one's ever heard this story before. So uh, national championships, 2015, I think that was the year that Team USA went to, did they go to Germany? I think, I'm pretty sure. 
Uh, that was the year they went to Germany because I think I started my first year lifting was 2014. Um, that was when I went to Ice Chamber, and I think I went to Russia that year too. Uh, so I think 2015 was my first nationals, and I was on 28, and I knew that Juan was training on 28s as well. Juan and I had not met each other in person at all. Um, we'd just spoken a few, a little bit on social media, on Facebook, and that was it. I think, uh, I could be wrong. I'm not sure that Instagram even existed back then. Um, I literally had a picture of Juan uh, taped onto the mirror across from my training platform in the gym because I wanted to beat him. And that's all that I cared about. So, yeah. Um, and then, of course, I went to nationals. Uh, I did beat Juan uh, because I cut, like, 14 pounds to drop down weight classes. Uh, and I did beat Juan, but Juan has subsequently, like, throttled me on multiple occasions since then. Um, and the, the funny part is, of course, uh, after the competition, like, uh, you know, Juan and I hung out. I mean, like, I love the fucking guy. He's fucking spectacular. Um, I've never had a chance I'm, to meet him, but I've heard nothing. Oh, my God. Things. Whenever I'm in New York, Juan is, Juan is one of the great. If you get to hang out with Juan and Carter, uh, like, at the same time, that's, like, the best, that's the best brotherly love on the planet from those two guys. So um, after after I beat Juan, then we were super good friends and I've loved him ever since. And then he's beaten me like 14 times since then. So um, yeah, yeah. So it's definitely, it's definitely all good. Uh, so setting, setting, setting aside the, the particular framework or the, the lens of a particular competition, but in general, are you trying to be the best or are you trying to be your best? Yeah, I'm definitely just, I'm, I'm trying to be uh, my best for sure. For me, it's all about, for me, it's all about a number um, back. And, and part of the reason why that's definitely shifted since the beginning of my kettlebell career, um, because I transitioned from Muay Thai into kettlebell, um, you have a very, very different mindset and this is why uh when when i hear people talk about kettlebell and you know they're like oh 10 minutes you know it's so hard and kettlebell so hard and blah 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 and i'm like is there someone in front of your platform punching you in the face with the intent to hospitalize you no that's not happening then guess what? What you're doing is very easy. Like, is it physically hard? Yes. Like, is it like slightly stressful? Yeah, a little bit. But like, no one is trying to kill you. And what people don't understand is that when you box or when you fight, you get in the ring with someone that chances are you've never, you've never met before. Um, in most cases, neither of you have said anything bad about the other person because you don't know anything. 
about the other person at all. Yet they fully intend to hurt you if they can. 110%. Not only that, when you go to a kettlebell competition, everyone in the audience, all the spectators are rooting for everyone on the platform. No matter what gym they came from, what country they came from, they're all rooting for each other. When you go to a fight and you walk out from backstage and half the people in the audience are booing you, they want you to lose. And by lose, I mean they want their boy to knock you the fuck out. That's what they want. It's the most when, tribal and primal expression oh yeah, of that. Yeah, it's, it's something very insane. You, for, you know, uh, nine minutes or 12 minutes or 15 minutes, however many rounds you've got for a fight, you have to step in the ring with somebody you've never met before, and you have to hate them. And you have to defend yourself and try to punish them what people don't understand is if you've never been in that situation that's a really really stressful situation when you go from that to kettlebell sport you're like wow this is easy <laughs> like like this is really it puts not... fight or flight in a slightly different context uh, yeah it's like completely different also um you know, like you you can quit like in a fight, like you, you can, um, it's not really good, uh, but you can quit, but like it, it's a really bad situation if you do. Kettlebell, I mean, just put the bells down. Just, just put them down. Like it's really not a big deal. But yeah, if you, know, you have some it, embarrassment, maybe. But uh, you don't right. have to. You don't have to stay in the cage with somebody uh, who's kicking and punching you. <laughs> right. Until, until the right. Right. It. Exactly. I mean, it's kind of one of those things like uh, like Navy SEAL training. You know, where like they're just trying to get you to ring the bell like the whole fucking time that you're there. Like it's the same thing with kettlebell. Like you know, the bells are just trying to get you to fucking put them down. It's like they don't. the The bells belong on the floor. That's where they belong. <laughs> and the, the bells want you to put them back where they belong and you just have to fight to not do that so yeah when i came from fighting to kettlebell sport it was a very different mindset so like you know i would go to competitions and like like i would pick people out and i would be like yeah i'm gonna beat that guy i'm gonna beat that guy and it's like now after years in the sport it's like you know you become friends with everybody. So it's like, I don't care about beating anybody anymore. Like, I just want to, I want to hit a certain number, you know, and then, that's it. So it's definitely, it's definitely a shift in mindset over the years. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's kind of the same thing for me coming from a football background where, you know, being an offensive lineman, you know, it's all about imposing your will on the person across from you. I mean, that's literally right. your job. Every single play is to, right. to move them where they don't want to go and stop them from going where they do want to go. You know, so my, my mindset was always to be better than the person across from me. Uh, but now it's, uh, it's very, very different because ultimately uh, whether I uh, beat 
the person on the platform next to me doesn't really matter. It's really uh, I can I can I can win the competition and still have had a shitty meet, or I can get my ass kicked by Ivan Denisov and still have put up the best set I've ever done. <laughs> you know, I, right? I have yeah, no it's control such on a... who else is who else is on the platform at the same time, or who else registered for that meet. So it's ultimately me against myself. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's such a weird. Is is such a strange sport in that aspect. So like. It's, it's really weird, but uh, I was, we're all in this together, but alone. <laughs> uh, right, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I want to talk to you about, uh, we talked about this a little bit yesterday uh, offline, well, online, but uh, off the, uh, off the mic, um, you don't, you don't drink and you've been, you've been pretty open about that. And you had a, a pretty passionate, uh, a pretty passionate post about um, overhearing someone who, who's, who missed a training session because they were too hung over to come in. So uh, tell me a little bit about your journey. Uh, you know, you, you didn't ever have an alcohol problem, but you just decided that it was, uh, that it was not in alignment with your goals. So tell me a little bit about your journey with alcohol and, and uh, yeah, feelings about I just, um, so, uh, when I moved down here to North Carolina, uh, let me see, I was 26 years old, 2006. Um, I moved down here to be with Lindsay and uh, of course, you know, I came down here and, uh, we were together and it was like, we lived in like this super cool, like, uh, neighborhood that was like kind of shady, but it was like the up and coming, like cool kid spot. And, uh, she introduced me to her friends down here and we all got along so well that, uh, they of course became my friends and. Uh, we were literally going out like Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, like, like three, like minimum three nights a week. And it was like, uh, I put on a bunch of weight and, uh, I, I'd gone up to, uh, New York for one of my buddies, uh, wedding. And, uh, I went up there, you know, for, for any of the girls that are listening, guys are absolutely brutal with each other. So like, like, yeah. Like we don't hold back like at all. So I, I went up to New York and my friends like just ripped me. Like the instant that I stepped out of the car, it was like, holy fuck, bro, put on a few pounds. And I'm like, wow, like nice to see you too, asshole. So like, and that's totally how guys are. Um, so like, I knew that I had to change. So when I get back down here after that wedding, started hitting the gym. Um, but I was still going out like every weekend and I started lifting with this dude at the gym and he was into boxing and MMA and shit. And this was like, this was like the height of the UFC, like Chuck Liddell, like Anderson Silva, like the golden era. Yeah. And everybody was getting into MMA and, and fighting. So my buddy, my lifting partner convinced me to start training with him doing jujitsu and, and boxing and shit. So I was like, all right, cool, man. So I was almost, uh, I was almost 280 at that point. And, um, <clears throat> I started training and I was still drinking. And the problem became, I was drinking Saturday night and then like nursing my hangover all day on Sunday. And then I'd go into the gym on Monday and like, I still did not feel great. 
Like I, I still had like this lingering, you know, like you're you're dehydrated and your head's fucked up. And yeah, because on Saturday that, you're 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 not the kind of guy that goes out and has like two drinks and then calls it a night. I'm thinking you're I'm thinking closing the bar down two three a.m. Oh yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. Like we didn't fuck around. Like my like my bar tab is triple digits. Like end of story. Like there's no there's no getting around that. It's like uh you know car bombs like every hour on the hour for like six hours straight like shit like that you know soco and lime like endless just like and we just didn't give a shit like i was making good money at the time so like you know you're you're 28 29 years old like you're not like saving for retirement like you don't give a fuck so it's just like you know we're just drinking like all fucking weekend so monday I'm still feeling like shit. So then we used to throw a huge Halloween party. And I mean like big, like a hundred people. And then we would throw a huge New Year's party. So we throw this huge New Year's party. And I mean, Lindsay and I are sick for like 48 hours. Like it's really bad. (laughs) So I look at Lindsay and I'm like, I think, I think I'm going to not drink for like a few weeks. And she was like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. We should take some time off. I go, okay. So she was starting to come to the gym with me. So she was getting into training. And I was starting to get more into uh, the Muay Thai thing. And I got Lindsay involved with it. And then all of a sudden, a few weeks go by. And then a few months went by. And... Uh, Lindsay's dad came to visit for our birthday. Our birthday's only six days apart. So we go out to dinner for our birthday and it's April. I have not drank since January 1st. So four months. I had two beers at dinner because it was my birthday. I couldn't drive like at all. And Lindsay looked at me and she was like, I don't think you can drink anymore. I said, I, I don't think I can either. And then that, like, that was it. Like my birthday in 2009, I stopped drinking and then like, that was it. And then once I kind of turned that corner to where like, that was no longer part of my life, then I kind of, it just changed this mindset on me that my focus in life completely changed and then six months later uh you know i had become a personal trainer and a couple months after that i opened up pride version one and that was it my focus was on training and fighting and lifting and there was zero room for alcohol at all. Um, and then once basically that became my mindset, then you're know, just reading a lot of different articles and a lot of different stuff on philosophy and, you know, living more of a stoic kind of lifestyle where if you, if you can't handle uh the 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 stress of everyday life and you know i I have clients and i know a lot of people are going to hear this and 
they're like, oh, I just need that one glass of wine at the end of the day, you know, take the edge off. And I'm like, that's not how this should work. Like you should be able to handle the stress that is in your life. And if you can't, then either A, you're mentally weak or B, you, you legit have like just too much fucking stress in your life. Like you need to change like, you know, your job or, you know, you need help taking care of your kids or whatever it is. So that's been a huge like mental shift. And I know that the worst people in the world to deal with are people who don't drink anymore. They're, they're the worst people in the world to deal with because we're assholes about it. We're just like, I'm just like, what do you mean you need to drink? Like, you don't fucking need to drink. You drink to escape reality. And that is a sign of mental weakness. So, you know, and if you're like, oh, you know, I don't drink to de-stress. I drink just to, you know, I'm just a social drinker. I drink to have fun with my friends. And I'm like, if the only way that you can have fun with your friends is if you're fucking drinking, then either your friends suck or your personality sucks. Like one or the other, like something's fucking wrong that like you need to drink with your friends. So it's definitely, it's, it's a different world, man. And I'll, and I'll tell you right now, you, if you stop drinking and you let it be known that you don't fucking drink anymore, you will find out who your true friends are like real quick because I promise you there are people that hang out with you only to hang out with you while you're drinking. I promise. And once you stop, they, they won't call you anymore. Like that, that friendship is over with. I like it, man. It's uh it's a very strong position, but I know it comes from, I know it comes from a very, very genuine place. And I, 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 always, I appreciate your conviction on it because it's, uh, it's conversations that I've had with, with people as well. I think there's probably some gray in there uh, as far as, as far as my perspective on it. But uh, you know, that's, that's coming from the perspective of a, uh, of a bartender and, and, you know, I drink because I enjoy it. Like the flavor, like I, I actually, like I very much enjoy different spirits and things like that, but I also oh, God. really understand what you're talking about when you say it's, well, what are you drinking to we escape? Were, that's a yeah. huge, that's a yeah, huge. We were, uh, I mean, we were fucking snobs with alcohol. I mean, it was like, like we like do not ever fucking serve me like well, anything out of the wild like do not like don't like don't even try like we we were straight snobs it was like we i we would only drink the best of the best of everything you know whether it was gin or vodka you know and we tried we flavored and sampled everything under the sun and we fucking loved it and i mean there are definitely i will say that there are definitely people out there probably such as yourself they're definitely like that where you're not even necessarily drinking just to have fun with your friends. You're not even drinking to escape, you know, reality or de-stress. But I mean, if you were like us, you literally just, I mean, you just enjoyed it. And like, that was, that was it. I mean, like, and I can't, like, I can't fault people or fucking blame people. Like, I mean, I, but to, I your, fucking, but to your point, like when I'm serious about, if I'm serious about cutting weight, the first thing I do is stop drinking. 
because it, oh, it, yeah. just, it just doesn't align with that goal. Like physiologically, yeah. it just doesn't. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's empty calories. You guys, it slows, your, it slows um, your metabolism. It slows your sleep. Like yeah. if you're fucking serious about losing weight, one of the first yeah, things you, you got to do is, is quit drinking either entirely or limit it to one or two drinks a week, period. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah. You know, you can get away with that and still lose and still lose weight, but you know, yeah. anything oh, yeah. more, anything more than that. And you're, it's, it's antithetical to the goal. I mean, it just, it just is, you know, from, yeah. A do, you, do you guys do, um, do you guys do shit with your clients? Like we'll do like 30 days for like, uh, like everybody in the gym. Um, you know, whether it's like, uh, November or December or January or whatever it is, you know, we'll, we'll go, we'll do like 30 day challenges here in the gym. And it's like, uh, I always laugh because, uh, you know, people will go that 30 days and they'll drop like 15 pounds and they'll be like, wow, man, I feel great. And then literally like day 31, they're like, yep, give me a drink. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, what? Didn't you learn? I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> we i i haven't done i haven't done that uh with with any with anybody from the gym but uh i it's it's definitely something i have done personally where i've been like yeah i'm gonna take you know january off or whatever you know i typically don't do it in january actually because that's just cliche but uh i've i mean i've taken six months off of drinking before and right you know um it you know that that was but that was because i was serious about a weight loss goal right you know, so, right you know, right um but it is definitely one of those things like if you have a serious goal uh Usually yeah. anything that's, if you have a serious goal, that's related to, to physical performance, alcohol yeah. is typically not uh, in line with that. You know, no. So very, very well. Yeah. And I, I can remember, uh, so basically I'd quit drinking and it took me like a year. So I dropped from like 280 down to like, uh, I mean, my lowest, my fight weight was 185. I mean, the lowest I've ever gone and down you're, to. You're 6'5", right? So well, God, no! I'm like six three and three quarters. I'm just okay. barely, just barely under six four. So okay, but you have um, the lo- you have the longest arms I've ever seen on. on oh yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, like we we could definitely talk about that. So my uh, so my height is basically uh, my height is seventy five inches, and my wingspan is seventy eight and a half. Yeah. So, uh, so you, so you have the wingspan of a six, five, six, six person. That is, that is correct. Yeah. Very, that is very correct. advantageous in kickboxing. Not so much for jerks. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. My, <laughs> my jerk sets, my jerk sets are absolutely horrific. Um, I can literally snatch like with my eyes closed, like it's a joke. Um, long levers. Yeah. I, I can see yeah, that. That's yeah, exactly. But yeah, when, when, yeah, when I had quit drinking, I think I went down from, so I went from like 280. Uh, I went from 280 down to like 240, 245. I dropped like near 40 pounds and then I'd quit drinking. So I, I it's funny cause you can say you can get away with like a few drinks a week, like still, um, I actually had factored into, I had like a meal plan written out on a couple of index cards that I kept on the fridge and I literally had factored into it one Guinness every single night. There you go. But, and, and it, and it was still. It's, it's how our people survived the famine. Okay. That's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's bread in a bottle. Like it, this is, I mean, it's, it's, not rocket, it's so. only 140 calories. So it's a full yeah, flavor listen. beer. That's very light on calories, actually. Yeah. So. Guinness, Guinness is amazing. And, uh, 
so I can remember I did that. And then when I was like, all right, I, I want to drop below 200. And that I never thought that I'd be able to drop below 200. I didn't even think that was possible. So when I did that, I cut, um, I cut alcohol. So that's when I stopped drinking. And then, then it became like a lifestyle thing. So uh, then, then I dropped down to like two, 215, 205, something like that. And then I went through another big like diet change to get down to 185. Um, and that's, then I started fighting and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. Nice. So you mentioned, you mentioned, and this, uh, I'm going to try and be respectful of your time. I'll make this the last question, but uh, you mentioned you're on, you're on uh, what version two or three now of, of pride in, in Charlotte. And, yeah. uh, and you're, you're technically under, uh, under governor's orders to be closed, right? Because of the, yeah. because of the pandemic, but yeah, uh, that's correct. You, you also, you also kind of publicly defied, defied that order in the media. So I'm, I'm just curious. Uh, I want to, I want to give you an opportunity to, to explain your reasoning behind that and kind of tell us what was the response to that? Was there backlash or consequences and, you know, kind of what's yeah. going on now? Yeah. Yeah. All uh, right. It's funny. If you could, if you could see me right now, like, smiling ear to ear because I literally love, I love people asking me about this. So um, yeah, the mandate came down and I, I mean, I, I will tell people this like straight up. First off, um, I'm not like, uh, while I love, I love politics, like I really do. I love politics. Um, I'm not a, uh, I'm not good at politics. Uh, which is why I definitely like stepped back from the whole like kettlebell world kind of um, because people just can't handle fucking being told. I mean, like you speak your mind too yeah, freely to yeah, survive in politics, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not like, I'm not going to bullshit you. Like you are going to get 100% of the truth, 100% of the time, whether you want to hear it or not. So um the whole, uh, yeah, so the whole shutdown thing, with, with that said, you're going to get 100% of the truth from me. But um, I'm one of those people where I like having conversations with people, even if it gets to like a slightly heightened argument kind of state. But I don't like, like screaming matches with people. But I'm not one of those people that... Um, I'm not so much of a hard ass. Like, if you... If you have like a legitimate like uh, argument and uh, you can prove your side, I mean, you you I'm one of those people that like you can sway me like to possibly agree with you. Like I'm I'm one of those people and I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm also one of those people that like I can usually compromise with people and I'll get to that part of it in a minute. So. Um, I've gone back and forth on the whole like COVID thing. Like when it first started happening, I was like, yeah, okay. We went through like bird flu and like H1N1 and like really like a couple thousand people died and like, it wasn't that bad. So like, like a lot of people, I definitely like kind of played it off. Like, Oh, we'll be all right. And then like shit started getting real bad like uh west coast and then like new york city started getting real bad and i was like oh fuck like this is uh this is not a good situation um so at that point then they started that's when they started shutting places down 
So we're talking like March. So like New York started shutting down, all these cities started shutting down. We were all like, fuck, like uh, Charlotte gonna shut down? Like we felt very like removed from like the rest of the United States on this. It was like, we had not been touched yet. Like Mecklenburg County, the county of men had like five cases. We were like, yeah, all right, whatever. So like then we started taking it a lot more serious. So, uh, you know, we started wearing masks, the grocery store, you know, Home Depot, places like that. And then the shutdown came. So when the shutdown came, uh, we had a weird situation here in North Carolina where like our county shut down. So Charlotte basically uh, comprises like the entire fucking county. Like the whole county is basically this city uh so the county basically shut down like the second or third week of march and then north carolina shut down the whole state uh like 10 12 days later after that and then mecklenburg county just kind of said we're just gonna follow in line with whatever north carolina says so north mecklenburg county like did away with their mandate and now we just follow we follow the the state so uh we've basically been shut down since like the end of march and we legit like pretty much shut down the gym for april uh i allowed like half a dozen people to be in here there's like uh there's a thing in the mandate that basically like you um you can have people in your business that like are required to keep the business like afloat from like going under. Um, so I can be here. Lindsay can be here. I've got like a couple of trainers, like they can be here. Um, but we shut down all classes. We still do not have any classes. Um, so that went on through all of April. So then we get into May and we were still, again, like very, very removed from the rest of the country. We are watching New York City, which we have tons of friends, you know, Juan, Carter, Irvin, uh, you know, all of our friends up in New York. And we're watching our friends in San Francisco from Ice Chamber and OKC. And we're like, holy fuck, like literally hundreds of people are just dying like, like daily. So, uh, but again, Mecklenburg County and Charlotte, like, with like a dozen cases. Like, that was it. So we started basically taking it, I don't want to go so far as to say taking it less serious because that sounds like I'm an idiot. And uh, I don't want to sound like that, but. It was a different context, right? I mean, they were at different point. They were at different points in the infection curve than. than yeah, than they were. definitely were. So now I've got. Oddly enough, two of the people that I have working out in the gym this whole time, they were probably the two people that I should not have let in here. They work at a hospital. And of all the people that I let in here, I probably should not have let them in. So they're in here week after week telling me that the hospital is fucking empty. Like, empty, empty. Even... Like, they dedicated a whole floor 
like 30, 35 beds ICU to COVID. And they were like, we have seven patients, seven. And I'm like, why are we shut down? So, and I'm very like middle of the road, slightly leftish on politics. So like, I'm not gonna politicize this, but like, I definitely do not follow like the orange person. Uh, so I'm like, I started questioning the numbers. And so now I have my own spreadsheet and I keep track of the numbers on my own. And it's still North Carolina, like less than 2% of all of North Carolina has been infected. Less than 2%. Out of that percentage, still like 98% survival rate in, in Charlotte. 50 to 60% of the cases are coming from nursing homes. So I'm like, now I'm like further removing myself again and I'm stepping back further and further. So I'm like, all right. Then what happened, state of North Carolina, our governor, Governor Cooper, came out and gyms were supposed to be on phase two of opening, which was like uh, May, May 19th or 20th. So Governor Cooper comes out two days before phase two and goes, yeah, you know what? Uh, we're not going to do a full phase two. We're going to do like a phase two minus. And the minus was gyms. He literally what else, opened. What else, was in, what else was included in there? So they literally opened everything. Public pools, open. Retail establishments, 10 people per 1,000 square feet, fully open. Okay, restaurants, 50% capacity and no more than uh, like 25 people or something like that. He left two businesses closed, bars and gyms. He opened salons, daycares, even massage, massage went open. Uh, tattoo studios, open. He opened everything except for bars and gyms. Now, we live in a state where if you want to buy a bottle of liquor, you go to the liquor store. Our liquor stores are owned and run by the state of North Carolina. They're not privately owned. They're owned by the state. The state is currently experiencing, of course, because you locked everyone down and people have lost their jobs, the highest liquor sales in the history of North Carolina of all time. So people down here are very pissed at the governor because he allowed restaurants to open but kept bars closed now here's the question i'm going to pose to everyone how many times have you gone out to a restaurant that serves food and not ordered any food and just ordered drinks because i guarantee you almost everyone has done that so what's the difference 
There is a lot. So, yeah, maybe some bars that are going to pack more people. But again, if you go back to 10 people per 1,000 square feet, if you get a really small bar, it's only 2,000 square feet, which a lot of bars in Charlotte are under 2,000 square feet, that only allows 20 people. So you're still under the mandate. You're still following the rules, but Cooper won't allow people to follow the rules. So <clears throat> gyms as well, we are still kept closed. So my argument was, all right, if you allow retail establishments to open at 50% capacity, 10 people per 1,000 square feet, why don't you allow gyms to open at 25% capacity, five people per 1,000 square feet? I have 6,600 square feet. So that would allow me 30 people in here. We generally don't ever have 30 people in here. That's like, if 30 people are inside this gym, like, it's crowded. Like, we don't go over that. Like, if we have 20 people in here, I'm like, wow, gym's kind of full. Like, the, the, the reasoning behind it is, I don't want to go so far as to say it's ridiculous, but you, like, no one's cleaning anything inside Home Depot or Lowe's or Target or the grocery store. Nothing's getting cleaned. So all of those places are open. We clean everything, like, all the time. That's, like, half my job as a gym owner. I'm just a fucking glorified, overpaid janitor. So, like, dude, like, the to say that we should be closed because people breathe harder when they exercise and you're going to, you know, spit particles, you know, further away. Go, okay. Listen, I won't argue you. Like I can accept that. I'm a reasonable person. So let me have less people. Like this isn't, this isn't rocket science, but as I am somebody who will compromise and who likes to come up with, simple solutions to problems our governor is not one of those people so anyways yeah we we went on record uh i have like i don't know three or four uh news interviews between charlotte and raleigh um and i i just said fuck it we're open uh there's two other gyms in charlotte that are they're actually slightly bigger than us and those gyms are open as well they they all said we're, we're going to open. Um, I have some friends in uh, high places here in Charlotte, and I was literally told uh, no one is coming to stop you. So that was it. I just said, we're open. Um, and it's funny because out of our friends and our circle and most people in Charlotte, they're, uh, I won't go so far as to say they're supportive, but they understand the decision. Um, the decision is if you want to stay home, I will not ridicule you or, you know, call you a scaredy cat or say something stupid. Like, listen, like if you want to stay safe, 
like stay home like it's okay like that's fine but that's your decision the people who want to go out and are going to be smart about it and take every precaution they can wear a mask when they're you know in a crowded situation literally wash your hands you're not allowed every single person that walks in this gym that is there's a massive sign at the front door that says you are not allowed to touch anything in this gym before you wash your hands it's the first thing that you do when you walk in this place you wash your hands end of story so all that i'm asking is that you allow adults to make their own decisions I mean, I have two guys in here that are over 60. They are like the high risk of the high risk. And they emailed me and asked me to come in. And I was like, I don't know, man, like, that's like super risky. Like you should probably stay home. One of them, if he stays home, he's gonna start drinking. So he was like, I need, something i need this mentally and physically to not drink he's like i need to go to the gym so i let him in he's an adult like he made his own fucking decision and that's all that i'm asking people to allow other people to do is to make their own decisions that's that's it okay so <clears throat> i told you ahead of time that i was probably going to challenge you on some of this oh here we go uh, well, I will say I, I, I agree with most of your logic. I really do. Um, I can completely understand. And, you know, and as somebody that has opened my own gym uh, before, like I understand like what, what it means to have your entire life savings invested in your blood, sweat and tears. And, you know, um, to, to then have somebody else tell you that you can't be open for business while other businesses are uh, right. is, is not highly reasonable, especially when you're like, Hey, I understand that there is a risk I meet, need to mitigate. You tell me what those guidelines need to look like. And I'm, I'm willing to work with you. Let's have a conversation that to me, I, is I mean, literally completely, completely reasonable conversation. Like we'll fucking do anything you want. Like if you want it, like if I had to buy like a thousand dollar, like fucking fog, fog machine atomizer thing and like fucking spray this place like every single day and like the shit that you put in the machine cost a hundred dollars every time you used it i would do it but like there's no there's no reasoning it's just like no you're closed and that's it yeah and that 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 is incredibly frustrating and challenging and i i feel i i can i feel for i i especially feel for the small business owners that are trying to to work with work with government and when there is no when there is no guiding strategy that that goes uh you know top down and and is uniform across different jurisdictions you know there's no centralized leadership i can understand how frustrating and challenging that is so right i i can completely understand the the feeling and the reasoning behind it and the struggle I have, you know, from my perspective, um, I have another, I have another lens because my wife works in the ER here in, in St. Paul, you know? Uh, and so okay. she, so she sees, she sees the, the infected and she, and she, I mean, she 
uh, she gets assigned to the COVID care unit a lot. So I actually at one point slept in my basement office for, for three months, uh, basically oh my God. early on because we were trying to separate ourselves, you know, me and her, right, uh, right. because my son is, you know, has, uh, is high risk as well. Cause he has a, a, a lung condition, you know, so right. we were trying to do everything we could to, to minimize and mitigate risk. Right. And, right. And I, and I see her perspective when she comes home and she tells me about, you know, um, as much as she can without breaking confidentiality, but she, you know, she tells right, right. me about, you know, well, the media is reporting that this is only affecting old people. And she's like, that's not true. I've, I've intubated 30 year olds that were healthy and CrossFit athletes and got it. You know, she's like, it's not true. She's like, it might statistically be the, the norm, but there's still, you know, people aren't, aren't talking about the, the other people, you know? So, and right. I, there's, there's that component of it too. And, you know, I feel for like your six year old guy that it's like, Hey, I need this for my mental health and there's going to be way worse consequences for me if I don't come in. I get that too, because, you know, it's such a diff difficult polarity to manage because people need exercise for their health. And we also know that one of the best things that is predictive of, of outcome against COVID is, is healthy habits and lack of comorbidities and all of those things. So it's, how do we, how do we manage that polarity? And that's, that's really challenging, but then there's right. also just the epidemic ep epidemiological fact of it's not just about you. It's you as a vector. Right. And, and right. how many people do you touch that they then touch that they then touch? And there might be four people removed from you that you don't even realize like, Oh, that person that knows that person that knows that person also works in a nursing home. And that's how the infection got into the nursing home. And that's, right. The, right. that's the challenge of like the, the position that we're in. Um, and, and I, <laughs> you know, um, I wish I was smart enough to have a good answer or in a position to even, to even if I had a good answer for it to make a difference, but that's right. The, right. Like that's, yeah. the, that's the struggle I, of it. Right. Is and how, do you, how do you balance those polarities? Right. Exactly. And like I said, I'm such a, in most situations, I'm such a reasonable person that I'm like, <clears throat> people are like screaming at each other, bro. Like, no, shut down everything. We all need to stay home. You know, no, like, you know, businesses will come back. You can lose your business, but you can't lose your life. You know, like I, 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 I completely understand that argument and that side of things. And I, I empathize with that. And then on the other side, you have people like myself I'm not going to get into the people that are like, you're trampling my constitutional rights, my freedom of, you know, movement, or like, I won't wear a mask because, you know, you're infringing on my rights. Those people are fucking Fruit Loops and they're, they're, they're absolutely fucking ridiculous. When, when Tucker put the seatbelt in the first automobile, people flipped their shit. The government like completely shut his factory down like that dude was fucked because he came out with the greatest safety thing in the automotive industry and people refused to wear it refused and then eventually after a few million people died they were like oh maybe you know maybe seatbelt will save me from going through the windshield so like you know the latency like, on human stupidity is, is uh, ridiculously long. Oh, it's so ridiculous. And like, I cannot, th that side, that argument, I, I cannot, I can't agree with that argument. So if anyone's listening and you're one of those people, I'm, I'm sorry. You and I we, just, I think we're up to like 
17 listeners now so sweet <laughs> yeah maybe we'll hit i i bet we'll hit like i bet we hit 30 on this one so right. um but yeah it's like i can i can empathize with that with that side of things and trying to stay as safe as possible for as long as possible and my like you're you're not necessarily i mean you're you're right there there isn't necessarily like a wrong argument this is like uh this is like a damned if you do damned if you don't type of situation where like well we need to have conversations like this where we're where we're talking about the the different things that we need to manage but the thing that that requires is data and that's the thing that yeah. that really drives yeah, yeah. me crazy is is where we have fallen short where the rest of the world uh at least the developed world is way ahead of us is we're we're so far behind on testing that we don't have data we don't know where the infection is and where it's not so we can't make informed decisions about when people should be open and when they should be closed and how long they should be closed and you know right. et cetera, et cetera. right we're basically flying blind in a lot of jurisdictions because and, there's and, just not and I enough agree. data. Dude, 100%. We are fucking flying blind through this thing. And that actually becomes part of my argument for why I opened. At what point do we say we can open? Because, listen, the virus is going to be here next week. It's going to be here next month. And I bet you it'll be here next year. What are we gonna keep schools closed for a year? Like no education system? Are we going to keep, you know, gyms closed for a year? One of the biggest things there there are a few things that I think have come out of this situation that um, we can all recognize at this point in time is that one, the overall health of the population in the United States is shit. Like really, really shit, the overall health of the population. The second problem is your insurance being tied to your job. So if you lose your job, you lose your insurance. That, you're fucked. That is not the right way to go about building and maintaining the quote unquote greatest country in the greatest society on the planet. That's not how you do that. We need to be healthy. And in order to do that, we need healthcare. And if it's tied to your job and you lose your job, you're fucked. That's not the right way to do things. We need Medicare for all. And I'm going to say that. So that's, that's the second thing. The, the next problem is you're going to close down gyms for how long? Six months, nine months, a year. This then ties you back to problem number one. The overall health of the population is shit. So you, you're now going in a circle where, and the, the obvious flip side to this argument, and people dude, tried to roast me on Twitter for this. Oh, you can exercise outside. I go, yeah, okay, I can, I can do a weighted vest walk outside. I can run stairs. Like, yeah, I can do that. Guess what? If you take a, a population like New York City, 
and you tell them they can all go exercise outside, do you know what it looks like? You have 6 million people out on the sidewalk. (laughs) Right. That's the fucking New York City Marathon every single day. That's not going to work. Okay. So then you're going to deal with people. Oh, well, you know, you can get workout equipment and work out at home. Bullshit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, like that'll work for like maybe a couple weeks until you're doing fucking jerks in your living room and you live in an apartment and your neighbor downstairs from you is banging on the fucking ceiling because you're doing jerks in the fucking living room. Like, I just second had good luck trying to get the equipment. But, uh, yeah, uh, r- right. Equipment's all out of stock. Even if you could buy the equipment, right? How much money are you going to invest? Like in workout equipment, like dude, a concept two rower is $1,100 plus shipping. Not everybody has that kind of money. Well, no, there not are even people to get into the, the fact that we're tribal animals and especially for people that aren't already in the habit of working out and being healthy, establishing a new habit during pandemic while you're in oh my God. lockdown, like yeah. is without social yeah. support is, uh, highly unlikely. I, I would yeah. Say. yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, forget about it. You know, it's like, so there, there are a lot of arguments for and against the gym being open. And I mean, obviously I own the fucking gym, so I'm obviously jaded. So it's like, uh, you know, I'm trying to see other people's side and other people's point of view, but I'm like, how long is this going to go on for? Like how long, at some point in time, you, me, and everyone are going to have to learn to live our lives as safely as possible, knowing that this virus is out there. And, yeah. and you, you can either do it now or you could do it next month. But next month, as what happened down here in North Carolina with our governor, next month turns into the month after that and turns into the month after that, you know, and the, you know, the argument, the flip side is that, oh, well, uh, you know, if everyone wore a mask, you'd be able to open right now. Cool. Okay. So like, you know, everybody wear a mask, like everybody try to do their best to mitigate what's going on. But I mean, not to get overly political, you're going to reroute all of this gets rerouted back to the six weeks from February till the end of March where our government did nothing. 100% of this goes to blame from the top down that nothing happened for six weeks. From mid-February to the end of March, nothing happened. And that is 100% their fault. Well, that, so, set the, that set the tone for the severity of the early outbreak, which then is what stoked the fear for the rest of the population. And yeah, yeah, it's just a domino effect. It's, a do, it's exactly what I was just going to say. It's a domino effect. It all, the domino started to fall. And like now we are all swimming under a, a fucking Scrooge McDuck uh, pool filled with fucking dominoes. So, yeah, that's that's the way it is. Well, I really appreciate the the perspective and I and I I always appreciate how open-minded you are to other people's perspectives in these conversations. So uh, Yeah, well, uh, listen, really and I'm that. I'm one of those people like I said, 
uh, I have, listen, probably only one third of my clients have come back. The other two thirds are still working out at home. I loaned out over $10,000 worth of my equipment. I loaned out equipment to people that didn't even belong to this fucking gym. People Same, that yeah. were, <laughs> I went from, I went from having just, eight kilos to 32 kilos in two kilo increments to now I'm the, the lightest I have are 20, 22s. Yeah. I, I like a lot of my stuff has come back as people have started to come back, but I loaned out $10,000 worth of equipment. I only have back half of that equipment. I will continue to support the people who want to stay home for as long as they want to stay home. And I will support you. This is just like I said, if you want to worship Satan, cool. Do, do your thing, bro. Like if you want to stay home and work out at home, do your thing. I'll support you. But like, you have to understand that there are people on the other side of that that are like, I'm going to go to the gym. So that's it. You know, well, we, and need, I try. We, need, we need to support, we need to support, uh, we need to support you guys as small business owners, you know, and when I say we, I mean the, the royal we of, of, you know, the, the community and the collective and uh, the government and, you know, it'd be, it'd be right. a much different story if, if you knew that your business wasn't going to be closed because you, that you wouldn't lose your business because you had a safety net, you know? Oh uh, um, yeah. It would be, it would be totally different. I mean, we, and of course this is probably something that we should have talked about. I'll try to keep it short, but uh we are still charging all of our people membership because we can't afford to cut off everyone's membership. And we sent out an email to all of our members. And, you know, I mean, I said, I'm sorry. If you went out and bought a, a brand new car and you parked your car in your garage and you went to the Bahamas for three months, guess what? You still have to make the car payment because if you don't make the car payment, when you get home, BMW is gone. The bank came and took it. It's the same thing. If I, I told all of our people, if we lift all your memberships, there will not be a gym for you to come back to. It, it will be gone. So, and our people understood that and of course, I still write workouts for all of our people at home. So we still support all of our people at home. We're trying to provide some sort of value for them. And they understand that that value will still be there when this shit is all over. So that has to be. In case people didn't gather from this conversation, uh, you're a great coach and you're a good human <laughs> being. So uh, how can they get at you if they, if they want, uh, you know, kettlebell sport programming or they want uh, powerlifting or Olympic weightlifting or a weight loss program? How can people get at you to, to get uh, a program designed for them? Uh, so I have like 85 different ways you can get a hold of me. Uh, whatever you do, don't call me. Like if, if you... <laughs> If, if you get my phone number, like, don't, like, don't, don't call me. Uh, so uh, text, literally, and I'll put my phone number out there. My phone number is 704-430-8544. Literally anyone can text me whenever you want. Uh, I might not answer you real quickly, but I will get back to you eventually. Uh, and I, literally, if it's just to ask questions about training or 
put if you just had a fucking bad day like i will help anybody that needs help uh so you're always more than welcome to text me um you can usually uh you can get my email off the website uh prideconditioning.com uh or you can get at me on social media uh fyi because of the whole political nonsense and all this stuff uh, i'm basically not on facebook anymore except for like once a week um i do have facebook messenger on my phone i keep that because uh, i have a lot of group chats that i talk to people through facebook messenger so if you want to get a hold of me through facebook messenger you can uh instagram uh Website underscore conditioning is the, the, the website for the, or is the handle for the gym on Instagram, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, or Doug Siemens, uh, or, uh, we have a kettlebell page that I don't, I don't visit a lot. I will admit to that. Um, but the gym page and my personal page, I, I visit all the time. Uh, so yeah, if anybody needs help with anything, um, we do online programming, um, for several different things, kettlebell sport, Olympic lifting, power lifting, uh, you know, fat loss, weight loss, uh, all sorts of stuff. So, and with really, really good prices um, and with really, really good programs too. Awesome, man. Thank you very much, Doug. I really, really enjoyed the conversation and I can't wait until we can uh, actually get together in person. Uh, I'll I have know, a brother. beer, you can have a seltzer. And, absolutely uh, we'll we'll uh we'll have we'll continue these these fun conversations in person and, and then you can uh you can kick my ass in long cycle absolutely brother not a problem all right thanks doug appreciate you man all right my man thanks for listening to this episode of the platform podcast i'm jordan kundi wright if you have a question please email me at twin cities kettlebell club at gmail.com Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Twin Cities Kettlebell Club, on Twitter at TCKB Club, online at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com, and please help us grow our reach and give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.